BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to a bonus episode of the Tech Meme Ride Home. I'm Brian McCullough. Last week, there was a bunch of gaming news. And if you'll recall, I did a shout out to see if anybody could tell me what the heck was going on in the gaming space. Well, Jason Schreier, the news editor at Kotaku, answered my bat signal. And so here he is to tell us the state of the video game industry, how Fortnite has changed it. Does Fortnite have a competitor in Apex Legends? And even what is the state of VR gaming? But first, a word from our sponsors. When you go through airport security, there's one line where the TSA agent checks your ID and another line where a machine scans your bag. The same thing happens in enterprise security, but instead of passengers and luggage, it's end users and their devices. These days, most companies are pretty good at the first part of the equation where they check user identity, but user devices can roll right through authentication without getting inspected at all. In fact, 47% of companies allow unmanaged, untrusted devices to access their data. That means an employee can log in from a laptop that's had its firewall turned off and hasn't been updated in six months or worse. That laptop might belong to a bad actor you Using employee credentials. Collide finally solves the device trust problem. Collide ensures that no device can log into your Okta protected apps unless it passes your security checks. Plus, you can use Collide on devices without MDM, like your Linux fleet, contractor devices, and every BYOD phone and laptop in your company. Visit collide.com slash ride to watch a demo and see how it works. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash ride. Recently, the world learned the power of artificial intelligence, a technology cybersecurity leaders have been leveraging for years. Now, as AI expands and evolves, those same security leaders are left wondering where humans fit into the next generation of AI-empowered security tools and solutions. Arctic Wolf, the industry leader in managed security operations, seeks to answer this question in their newly published report, The Human-AI Partnership. Access the insights of over 800 cybersecurity decision makers in North America and the United Kingdom to better understand how organizations are weighing the benefits and risks of deploying AI tools. Uncover the biggest obstacles to turning AI and human engineers into a formidable team. Discover why the near-term benefits of large language models are being upended by a crucial flaw in the technology. And learn what the rise of AI tools mean for human practitioners moving forward. Get your copy today at arcticwolf.com slash techmeme. That's arcticwolf.com slash techmeme. Okay, Jason Schreier from Kotaku. talk about anything yeah <laughs> you can bloviate about whatever you want <laughs> all right well then let's let's start bloviating officially um this was prompted as i said by the the news of the layoffs last week and also but i had seen that the the stocks of all of the big gaming companies had been down recently 
so what's going on here? Is this just the usual boom-bust cycle of gaming as an industry, or is there more this time, or even maybe unique things going on here this time? Yeah, I mean, I think it was a difficult 2018 for all these companies for a variety of reasons. Um, analysts have certainly blamed Fortnite, which I think is just has become sort of a scapegoat. I really don't think that Fortnite is the biggest problem in the video game industry. I actually think a lot of it is just economic downturn all around, markets kind of coming to earth after a wild 2018 full of just rapid inflation. Because and, all of those, all the big video game stocks had been up a lot last year. Yes, yeah, yeah but all of the stocks, the entire, all of them. Well, right, sure, been, certainly. Um, yeah, so it's just, I mean, Fortnite is one of the, one of the factors. Um, and yeah, I mean, there are a bunch of other things. A big, one of the biggest things is that it was just not, a huge year for a lot of these companies. I mean, if you look at Activision's release lineup, they had like two games, I think it was. They had a new Call of Duty and like a Destiny 2 expansion and maybe a couple of Blizzard things. Like they barely had anything. And even though Call of Duty did well as it always does, they didn't have the sort of lineup that uh, that a video game company really needs in order to be successful. Um, and same with EA, they just had a lot of games. They, they All these companies have... Narrowed na narrow their scopes to focus on lots of big release or s sorry very few big releases instead of lots of smaller releases so instead of just like throwing 10 darts at the board they're trying to throw three and that what that means is that all three of those have to be pretty close to center in order for those companies to be doing well on any given year and so when ea announces the battlefield 5 has only sold six million copies instead of the seven million they expected um whatever the numbers were, then that is why their stock tanks. So, yeah, it's just a combination of factors. I mean, a large part of this is just that these stocks are all based on uh, predictions and expectations and numbers that aren't actually real. So even when these companies are still generating millions of dollars in revenue, they still appear to be tanking in the stock market because they didn't have expectations, which it's always a little silly, a little ridiculous. Yeah, well, that just sounds like the same old story that it's a hits, it's a hits based business. And also it's a boom and bust sort of cycle. And so generally that sounds like uh, the same old story. Mm -hmm. But when you talk about the effect, and we'll, let's dip into this for a second and then we'll come back to it later. The effect that Fortnite might be having on even the perception of the industry. Is it because Fortnite is suggesting that there is a different business model going forward that these companies... Uh, haven't quite embraced yet or maybe are not equipped to embrace? No, I don't think so. Uh, I think a lot of these companies, I mean, certainly if they haven't looked at free-to-play before, then they're just ignorant. And I think they all have looked at free-to-play before because League of Legends was doing free-to-play successfully on PC uh, many more years, many years before Fortnite ever was. Um, and other games have come and succeeded with the same model. We saw Dota 2 um, do it pretty well. Um, we've seen Counter-Strike succeed. We've seen a lot of games succeed with that free-to-play, like release a game for free and sell microtransactions against it um, with that model. Uh, Hearthstone uh, from Blizzard works really well as free-to-play. It, it tended to be more mobile games than console games, but even on console, a lot of games have done it successfully. We've seen uh, Warframe as a notable example of just a big service game that does well in free-to-play. Um, Fortnite, I mean, has become a cultural phenomenon, and, and Epic 
games, the creators of Fortnite certainly deserve credit for what they did there. But it's not like they are setting some new paradigm that the video game industry needs to suddenly follow. Um, everything Fortnite has done has been done before, including the whole concept of a battle royale, which uh, Fortnite essentially took from a game called Player Unknown's Battlegrounds right, that right. come out before it. Um, so even though Fortnite is certainly like it's it's huge, it's humongous. I don't want to downplay or diminish the success of Fortnite because obviously it's a humongous success. I think any companies that look at that and say, oh, my God, we need to have our own Fortnite are kind of heading in the wrong direction. Well, then, so uh, I'm, I'm changing what I was going to do then. So what it, what is the lesson that Fortnite is is teaching the gaming industry? Like what is what is the thing that everyone is trying to rush to replicate be in the right place at the right time mm. um i mean i think that the lesson that it should teach the game industry is that you want to create a game that is a place where people can feel like they want to hang out and that's the type of like game that succeeds as a living game and an online game right like again, that, that almost that concept that people have been batting around about like Fortnite as like the, the the third place sort of in the uh starbucks was always called the third place not your home not your work <laughs> yeah or or like a um a hybrid sort of social network sort of thing is what you're saying yeah yeah, well, especially now. I mean, when I say right place, right, right time, I mean that in a lot of ways. And I think now uh, for younger generation and for older generation, I mean, for everyone really, social media and especially Facebook has just lost so much luster because of all the controversy surrounding it and the fact that Facebook is appears to be run by just a bunch of heads. Oh, sorry if I'm not allowed to curse. Um, That's fine. But uh, yeah, and I think that uh, if you're, I mean, whether you're younger or older and you don't want to spend as much time on those social media platforms, but you want to still want to find a place where you can congregate with your friends and show off your latest cool thing, um, Fortnite is a perfect place. And I think that people in my generation, I'm in my 30s, grew up with um, sort of our own versions of this. Some people took to World of Warcraft. Other people, I remember playing a lot of text-based MUDs back in the day. That was my uh, third place, so to speak. And Fortnite is just a new evolution of that. Um, but I think that game companies that are just chasing after the dollars that Epic is raking in are just going down the wrong path, and we're going to see that. The, the video game industry tends to um, move in cycles. And so I mentioned World of Warcraft. After that came out, there was a whole cycle of every single company trying to make their own massively multiplayer online game to replicate the success of World of Warcraft. And it did not work out for most of those companies. Then um, I believe the next one was MOBAs and League of Legends came out and every single company was trying to replicate that game's success. Did not work out. And now we're starting to see the same exact thing with Battle Royale games. And we're starting to see different companies enter the Battle Royale marketplace. Some have already failed big time. Some have, some have succeeded like Apex Legends, which just came out and has been just a remarkable success. Um, and it's it's these things tend to repeat themselves. And I'm sure in another two years, we'll be talking about the next big fad that everybody's trying to copy. Um, I think if video game and video game companies want to find success, they need to be looking to be the ones to start the trend rather than chase it. Why? Why has Apex Legends uh, been such a success? And, and, and again, obviously, it's early days. It's what not even a month old at this yeah. point. But why, why has that been successful? Yeah, I mean, I think there are a lot of reasons. Um, I think they their marketing strategy was absolutely brilliant. Um, they essentially flew out a bunch of streamers to come and play and, and then paid them. And therefore, 
these streamers were all playing it, and it was on the front page of Twitch as soon as it launched. Um, the fact that it was announced and launched uh, announced and launched on the same day is just a brilliant move for them, um, because people tend to be naturally skeptical of big publishers like EA releasing free-to-play games. Um, people for multiple reasons, tend to look at companies like that as trying to nickel and dime customers at every opportunity. Um, so with a free-to-play game that has loot boxes in it, loot boxes are, are uh, this very controversial mechanic where you can uh, buy, pay money for a randomized piece of equipment or item or something like that in a game. They become super, they become like this buzzword that everybody hates in the video game industry. Um, so yeah, so they made the very wise move of just launching it, letting people jump right into it, and without even having an extended marketing cycle or anything like that, and it worked tremendously well. Um, it also helps that it was made by developers who have made incredibly good games in the past. Um, it's a company called Respawn. Before this, they made Titanfall and Titanfall 2, which were both really excellent games, excellent shooter games. Um, and even before that, at their previous company, Infinity Ward, they were making, uh, this This studio was founded essentially by the creators of Modern Warfare, Call of Duty Modern Warfare, which is one of the, the most iconic, beloved Call mm -hmm. of Duty games. Um, so yeah, so that combination, and obviously it's a really good game, So, but that combination of things, of factors, led to uh, Apex Legends' success. All right, uh, shifting gears to streaming gaming um is who, who are the who's who are the big players moving into this is, is theoretically everyone in the gaming industry moving into this and then i did two segments this week about google and their supposedly streaming service that also has a hardware component so mm -hmm. so who are the players trying to make streaming gaming happen yeah google is the biggest one right now um, if you, I, I've talked to some developers who are just buzzing and very excited about what Google is doing. Um, this concept, just to zoom out for a second, this concept, there are a few different um, concepts when it comes to streaming, a few different hooks in which that streaming can quote-unquote happen. Um, one of them is Netflix for gaming, which is this idea that you pay a subscription service and then you can download or stream games um, as part of that without having to buy them. The other version of this is a streaming in which you are buying the games, and so you're still paying regular money for them, but um, but you can stream them from any platform. And Google, they actually did a beta test a few months ago for their project. Um, they called it Project Stream, and you could basically download Assassin's Creed Odyssey and play it, or not download it, you could stream it by playing it on uh, a Google Chrome browser tab, which is incredible. And I tested it out. It works remarkably well, as long as you have a good internet connection. Um, so yeah, I mean, this idea of breaking down those barriers, because right now, if you want to play the highest end video games, you need an expensive console or an expensive PC. And that just is not an option for a lot of people out there, especially people in underdeveloped countries who might not have the same access to that sort of equipment. So this idea of these companies trying to break down barriers and allow people to play these games even without owning an expensive piece of hardware to do it, I think is really cool and just is absolutely fantastic for video games as a whole. Um, I think Google is going to be one of the biggest players. I think Microsoft has been doing some really interesting things in the whole Netflix streaming area. They have a service called Xbox Game Pass that is basically closest we have right now to Netflix, even though it doesn't have quite the library you would want from a, a game service like that, but hopefully it will. Um, and then there are rumors of Verizon jumping in and Amazon, I think, is trying to jump in here, too. I'm sure we'll see Sony take their own stab at uh, streaming for their next PlayStation, uh, 
which a lot of people expect to come out in uh, later in 2020. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think we're going to see a lot of these companies trying to do it and TBD who does the most interesting thing, but we know that we will see Google's platform next month at the game developers conference mm. in San Francisco where they are coming in full force. Uh, I believe the tagline for their big keynote event is, uh, something like all shall be revealed or something. There's something about revealing every, everything that they have to offer. And they sure have been spending a lot of money on this, uh, on this initiative. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. So let me let me let me sum up again. So number one, the trend is in the same way that we're no longer buying software and shrink wrap boxes from a store. We're subscribing to Office 365. Um, so essentially, going forward, even in the console paradigm, I I will subscribe to get these games, and I won't buy them for sixty, seventy dollars a pop, whatever it is, right? Yeah, I mean, with some versions of this, for sure. Okay, then the other concept being that, and this is part and parcel to a certain mm -hmm. extent, that f I can also then game on whatever screen is at hand, mm -hmm. um, yeah. which is helped by obviously processors and chips uh, catching up and things. But w what about, is the technology, how, how far away, because I always have this thing about like, will we really get self-driving cars by 2020? Like, how far away is the technology where things like lag and, and I have to be on the best uh, signal possible, like the reality of actually whatever is the screen at hand being able to, to stream games without having it even downloaded on my device, how close is that technology? I think it's already here. And I think that the the question is how good is your internet, right? The technology is here that if you have a good, fast internet connection right now, you can do it. We saw that with Project Stream when the beta test happened a few months ago. I mean, Assassin's Creed Odyssey is like one of the best looking games we've ever seen. And it ran tremendously for, for me in a Google Chrome tab on my MacBook, which like doesn't even have a graphics card, a dedicated graphics card. Um, so yeah, it's it, the technology is there. The big question is the latency and the lag, as you mentioned, and people's internet connections. And I think one of Google's big pitches, and I think something we'll hear a lot um, next month when they do their big keynote thing, is that they have data centers all over the place. So if you're close to a Google data center, you can theoretically have more access or closer access to their servers and therefore have a better chance of getting their getting your getting a good connection to what they're offering even if you don't have the best internet connection um i think it's going to be an issue for people who have limited bandwidth have, have band internet bandwidth caps and can't necessarily download huge files because i think this will this whole like this whole process will involve downloading and uploading a lot of data um so yeah it's it's uh it's it's going to be interesting to see. I think that the tech is it, it's definitely the thing that is most exciting in video games right now. It's what people are talking about as the future of what video games are are going to look like and and what future like I think people are more excited about this about breaking down barriers than about any other sort of technology initiative. All right, I I said if we could squeeze it in, I was going to throw you a, a curveball out of left field. Yeah, do it. Uh, that's a really tortured metaphor uh the uh obviously we haven't had the mist for vr yet the 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 game that is so compelling that it almost makes people adopt the technology um because it, then uh, a, a norm a normie like me would have heard of it at least at some point but just out of curiosity 
the state of gaming in VR, like, is it still just a whole collection of, like, either proofs of concept or gimmicks? Or has there been... Is there a game yet for VR where you're like, well, this is this is the masterpiece of the medium so far. This is like this is the best VR game yet created. Well, so I think there is, but I can't really comment on that because my experience with VR is putting on a headset, getting nauseous, and then well, then just tell us what what people um, generally consider to be. Yeah, yeah. So this game called Astrobot that came out uh, a few months ago from Sony on the PlayStation VR is considered to be really cool, and a lot of people have been raving about that. People are into VR. Um, there have been other cool things too. Tetris Effect um, is a Tetris game that is kind of uh, this this. Uh, sensory effect thing that is just like stepping into a trance state as you're playing tetris and that's really cool in vr according to people who have played it um but yeah i mean just in general i've never been high on vr i've never been bullish on vr as a tech because it's still so intrusive and just putting on a headset still takes over your life in a way that you just don't want it to when you're playing video games especially if you have a a family and you just can't be like totally escaping from the world in in that way um, and yeah, I mean, sort of in the same way that I'm very bullish for streaming, I'm very bearish for, uh, VR and I don't really see the technology being there at all. I think we're a few years from VR ever hitting, uh, a mass market and ever being really that appealing to, uh, a large number of gamers in the same way that console gaming and PC gaming and phone gaming is today. Um, so yeah, I mean, we are seeing some really cool stuff on there according to people who have played it, but I don't know that people are, are just adopting it in droves and I don't know that they will be anytime soon, unfortunately. 